Next to Jeff in my backyard in London. It's starting to feel a lot better. Wake up, wake up. It's t-shirt weather. It's t-shirt weather. <laughs> it's great to have you back, Jeff. There's a, some other band that's been banging around on Triple J with a song called T-Shirt Weather that's not a cover of that T-Shirt Weather, <laughs> but it's about another spate of T-Shirt Weather. Um, and I don't know if I'm sad or impressed. We're, the only addition to this backyard since you were last year is the barbecue I've got to my right here, which um, it probably does just reinforce that as an Australian, I need to have a gas barbecue rather than one with coals, which seems to be the custom mm. in this part of the world. But no, it is it is delightful. Uh, what a delightful time to be in England at the start of summer, you posted a photo on Instagram or Twitter or something, Jeff, when you departed yesterday and looking forward to the four months of summer. And these are, without doubt, the best days here. They're getting long. The sun will go down at about quarter to nine tonight and you really get value for your shots. Jokes on everybody who said, oh, yeah, like summer in England, it's freezing and shit. Um, it's gorgeous today. It's a clear blue sky. Um sun shining, green things in the backyard. You can hear the the sound of the neighbours coming over the fence. Everything feels very communal and and uh, rather lovely. I'd be getting sunburnt through the course of this podcast, if not for the fact that the hole in the ozone layer in this part of the world is narrower than the one in Australia. <laughs> so I, I think I'll be okay without the sunscreen. It's just purely over the top of Australia. It's <laughs> yeah, like this right. celestial funnel <laughs> that is just there to kill Australians. Everybody else is fine. Or not, according to the polls on Saturday, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, we'll try and avoid that for the most part. Um, since we last spoke, which was probably 10 days ago. Thanks for the feedback on the Matt Renshaw interview, which was exhaustive. We copped a lot of replies and how much they enjoyed one particular anecdote in that. Um, again, thanks to Matt Renshaw for being so open and such a good crack, really, isn't he? Like, he didn't necessarily come across that way when he played for Australia in his first stint to be the sort of guy who would sit down and, and talk smack with us for an hour, but that's exactly what he did and we're ever so grateful for it. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily pick him to be the laugh-a-minute type, but um, turns out he is, so not everybody's personality reflects their cricket. People might end up looking like their dogs, but they don't necessarily resemble their game in cricket. World Cup's heating up. And, uh, it's uh, you, you can really sort of sense it in the last few days. Um, there are news stories bobbing up everywhere. I think there were five pages of The Telegraph today were devoted to cricket, four in The Guardian yesterday. It's a bit of a blunt measure but it gives you a feeling that the football season here has finished and cricket can finally take over. I saw a story just broke before Jeff about drones at the World Cup. Our colleague Tim <laughs> Wigmore um, has, uh, has obviously been talking to someone at the World Cup or the ICC and, and they're quite worried about um, drones flying over the top of the ground after what happened at Gatwick Airport at Christmas last year. Are Understandably so. Are they talking about male bees at this point? Yeah. Because I hope that they are because you know it's kind of amazing. So the Queen takes off out of a hive and then the drones all sort of fly after her and they have to fly up to a really high altitude several hundred metres up which is quite high for bees and then all of the drones have to like impregnate the queen and, and deposit as much bee semen as they can and then they all die <laughs> at this incredibly high altitude all the drones they they fuck themselves to death, literally. <laughs> they die and they fall down to earth and the queen comes back with all of the goodies and then she has enough to make eggs for the next however many months and, and lays the eggs in, into all the cells where the uh, worker bees who are female hatch them into larvae. The things you learn on the final word, fuck you, Attenborough, we got you covered yeah. on, on this show. We are ready. The, the baton <laughs> can be handed on, you know. We know that And anytime you see David Attenborough trending, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, no, no. But he's, he's fine. He's okay. But, you know, if... If and when that time should come, God forbid, 
we're ready. We're ready, ready, David. Don't worry. We've got. We'll take it from here. The only thing I think about with bees is the character on the old Conan O'Brien show, the man who's protected from three-inch bees, and the cage he has around him. Um, Actually, this might this might derail Steve Smith's comeback plans because the last time we saw him playing for Australia, his main hobby was, uh, as we talked about quite a bit on the show um, in Cape Town or. Johannesburg, or wherever it was, we were. Well, no, it was his his drone. He loves sending it out to take photos and so forth. But so he better keep the uh, mm. keep it down during games. Or keep it away from Gatwick. Keep it away from Gatwick. Oh, mate, um, what was that cricket match that was stopped for bees? Was this happens more the often than you summer? think. Yeah, no, yeah. it happens quite a lot. I think last year there was a test match in Sri Lanka where they all had to hit the deck for a period of time. I think our colleague Peter Lawler ran into some trouble with some bees um, when climbing Siguria yeah. in Dambulla a couple of years ago when we were on tour there. They, they, when you climb that, I don't know if you got the chance when you were there, Jeff, but I did in the one-day element mm. of that of that Sri Lankan tour. Um, but they say on the front, like they give you instructions on what to do if the bees come after you whilst you're on your way up. And that did happen to Pete. So okay. maybe if we want an expert on, on that, we can we can turn to him. But no, um, if, uh, a, if a drone bee is starting to go bald and feeling embarrassed about it, does he have a honeycomb over? <laughs> oh, you've stored that one up. Haven't I you? haven't. I spend them as soon as they arrive. <laughs> While you were recovering from jet lag today, Jeff, I was at a joint called Ruby's in East London over in Dalston. Not the, normally the place you'd identify with cricket. It was, it, on their website, it says, um, let loose and get dancing at East London's legendary Saturday night party at Ruby's. Good joint, but not, again, not the sort of place you'd expect 10 World Cup captains to walk in and, and give a press conference. But give a press conference they did. Uh, the most of the interest this week has been around what they look like. Uh, the kits are all out. Perhaps we'll start with England. How, how can we not? Invoking the 992 final side they're back to the light blue much to the amusement and joy of cricket fans in this country that they've gone because at some, some point along the way you look at the 92 kits and India are wearing navy blue or dark blue yeah. and England are wearing the powder blue and that's when they of course made the final at the MCG and, and from mm. not long after that they seem to swap but uh, we're, we're back to where we should be now I think that's a great kit and whether or not it's a 92 World Cup or an old New South Wales Mercantile Mutual Cup kit uh, either way it looks fantastic well the question is who's going to hit the sign um, yeah. and, and will they share the cash around if they do? I think I think powder blue displays confidence because if you're caught up in the the sort of tropes of, of masculinity, you know, you have to have a big, strong colour. You can't have like you know a, a gentle powder colour that might show yourself to side. But this is England saying, you know what, we're 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 millennials, we're new age fellas, and we can we can do things differently. We're going to win it anyway. We're going to win it in this, and we're not afraid to embrace our gentler side. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, they can wear a shirt and, and strides and pads, the colour of the door from Notting Hill. And, and shouldn't we all be so lucky to do so <laughs> one day? I took a photo, which I bunged on Twitter, of, of the 10 captains there. I like the fact that you've got Faf Duplessis with his legs crossed, and he couldn't have given a shit. He was just so, you know, he'd rather be anywhere but there. Uh, he, he was doing his duty. Virat Kohli and Owen Morgan, these couches probably should have had three or four people on them, but the two big dogs, they just sat there on their own uh, on either side. And yep. our colleague and friend, Vidushana Hantaraja, who was on the show a few weeks ago, said it was uh, like it was a scene from the Jeremy Kyle show, which has just been scrapped on television here due to <laughs> dreadful television. And, they needed the room on the couch, Morgan and Coley, in case they wanted to sort of stretch their feet out together and touch them in the middle and then maybe get into some acro yoga or something like that. <laughs> some couples like, you're flying, Virat, you're flying. You know, you, you want to be able to break out into that if it seems right. The only time they, they got um, really pressed on a question today was when one of the kids who was there prompted to ask questions put to them, who would you have in your side from another team? And they just didn't want to answer the question. They, they, they are so on guard at this point 
of the cycle that they're playing with the straightest possible bat. But it, just a round off kit talk though in terms of what we saw today. New Zealand, Kane Williamson in, in what looks to be an All Blacks kit really. There's not a not a dash of blue that we've been used to in the New Zealand outfits over the last 20 years or so. It's just black and white on the collar. I look, look fantastic. People have had a go at South Africa's with two different shades of green saying that it reminds them of a bad Pakistan top but I'm kind of into it with the different coloured arms and if anyone can to pull be it honest, off hasn't, can. hasn't South Africa's uniform always looked like a bad Pakistan top yeah or vice does. versa I think Sri Lanka's got a cracker I, I really like what they've done but um, I, I it's, looks- it's a little bit sort of um, early 2000s graphic design course in terms of the overlapping <laughs> spheres with the, the sort of um, wire framework stuff but the colour's good it's, it's bold it's vivacious well they've never got any money cricket Sri Lanka so they might have just bunged out an old design off the computer and hit print. I can I can see how that would have like occurred. Maybe it was like the logo for Encarta, yeah. you know, CDs, <laughs> CD-ROM version or something. Well, that's like that. when they were doing their finest work, Sri Lanka, in 996 when Encarta was all the rage pre-internet, mm. so there could be something to that. England at their launch, which was also in East London and also in a factory um, the other night, so in keeping with the theme down in Wapping, so um, out where, uh, out where the, the, the News Corp papers are produced these days and probably what's, a whole bunch of others. What's the factory deal? Why, why are they all in factories? At the t- yeah, it's, it's gritty, isn't it? It's, 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 and Ben Stokes just did that ad where he's running around in an abandoned factory with like ball machines firing balls at him. What an ad. If you haven't seen that ad, that's, I mean, like... It's impractical as far as a training <laughs> course goes. I don't think you're honing the best of your skills by mixing up your batting, bowling and catching drills in that way. And also, like, he's diving and landing on a piece of cardboard on, like, a factory floor that's littered in broken glass nails and syringes. Ben, be sensible. For once, just pl- just tone it down. You don't, you're going to lose a lot of skin. My main thought when I saw him dive at the end was he dives with the right arm out and goes full stretch. He's had arm problems before. Imagine he had have popped a shoulder out on the on the cusp of the World <laughs> Cup, fulfilling a, a sponsor obligation. He wouldn't have been popular. So this kit launch was held in a factory out in, well, an old, a reform factory now, out in Wapping. I had a chat to Joe Root, and he's a great interview, Joe Root. Whenever you get a chance to sit down with him, it's always worthwhile. I asked him a couple of questions about what, this tournament and what this summer means for England cricket. Sort of the the data the World Cup have is that there'll be three times the engagement uh, out in Punterland and there normally would be in a bilateral summer or test series or whatever it is here. And he sort of talks about in 2005 how his buddies at school actually cared about cricket because it was on TV, it was the Ashes and and they were watching it. And we know that um, cricket hasn't been on free-to-air television here since and won't be during the World Cup, but he made the point that he hopes that that's the one major thing they can do this summer, which is get kids in schools talking about cricket again. And it's great to hear players who have got that broader focus and care for the sport in this country and not just focus purely on what they've got to do on the field, but they see they've got a, a broader responsibility. So, look, yeah, impressive guy, Joe Root. And, uh, and I think that's the real theme of the summer, isn't it? How can they use this World Cup and this Ashes to almost safeguard cricket not only against other sports leaning into the space, but a sport that has been not in terminal decline, but in, I would almost say, systematic decline over the last generation or so. The elephant in the room with this is always the TV rights, the fact that after 2005, cricket went on to pay TV, and there hasn't been any respite, even though this is an ICC event rather than an ECB event, it's still on pay TV in England. Mm. In 2015 in Australia, it was, uh, I guess, due to the siphoning laws that we had, anti-siphoning laws, um, it was on free-to-air TV. Yeah, the Australia games were absolutely. broadcast most of it. At least in terms of engaging people in its host country, there was a chance to do that. Here, that doesn't exist. So, in a way, it's a bit King Canute fighting the tide where you've got all of this effort and engagement to try to connect people with the tournament that's happening while 
not being able to take up the most obvious, most logical thing, which is put it on the medium that most people are going to be able to access for free. Yeah, I spent a couple of days in with the, the guys at the World Cup two weeks ago, and I asked them all this question. I wrote this piece a couple of days ago. It'll be up on the Cricket Monthly before the World Cup begins, maybe next Monday. And the main takeout point from that is that they realised really early on that this was going to be a huge problem for them. So they went, um, they went full throttle at engaging people who don't traditionally buy cricket tickets so they um, tried to access uh, other pop culture icons and other celebrities they went into the data of Ticketmaster and were able to directly um, send ads to um, those that go to concerts I think they went through some of the the music streaming sites as well it was an all an effort it was a full full throttle effort in trying to find people who might come along and for the first time to cricket and to their credit the World Cup have achieved that. So a third of tickets that have been sold to this tournament out of the 800,000 are going to people who've never been before. 250,000 will be girls or women. 80,000 will be under the age of 16. So they've done well at getting out there and all these other separate programs will be invaluable data for the ECB to draw down on when they're trying to launch 100 next year and we'll come to that later in the show. But the idea that they'll have 3.2 million people who've applied for tickets or 3.2 million applications and access to that all-important data, which hopefully even though it's not on television they'll have had some success in in finding this new audience which they've been craving for a generation yeah and it's vital that they do it because you do have to get people interested at that point in their lives where they'll have those happy memories associated with the sport and want to keep being involved with it in 30 40 years time rather than three or four years time but whether that can happen you know i I don't know if it might just be a case of of a short-term bump that drops off that's what they're trying to avoid but whether they can avoid it i I don't know i hope they can one quirky one from the kit launch the other night a group who are trying to help grow the game i would say uh sports team they're they're a band who uh were playing in front of um the waiting media and the others who are invited along the name name of the band is sports team And, and their and their debut EP last year was called Winter Nets so the, the, the lead singer they're a, they're a band that met in, at Cambridge Do we have Winter Nets in Australia? Yeah it's not really a thing we don't call them Winter Nets but certainly it's the nomenclature used here for pre-season training over here is that you know, you're know you in the Nets in, in January or February slogging it out when it's like negative 10 outside but right. indoors you, you're, um, you, you know, you're tearing your shoulder apart like I did this January Yeah Keep if you're in that. Australia, you just go to Townsville or something. Yeah, or, or alternatively, you know, you, uh, you you go out on a Wednesday night and it's not as cold as that. Either way, the opening bowler, uh, the opening bowler, the lead singer um, of sports team happens to be an opening bowler as well, Alex Rice. He was on the uh, the Kent books for a while. I did an interview with them in theory for the podcast, but it was a little bit too loose, uh, a, a, little, a little bit too disjointed. But they are they are cricket nuts, and that's why they were there uh, launching the England kit the other night. And uh, and here is uh, here is uh, in, in in lieu of me being. Able to play the interview. Yeah, here's a bit of them uh, going about their business. Thanks to Sports Team, find them on Spotify. As I say, they're supporting the game and they're a good young band over here. I hope you enjoy their work. Uh, Australian context, Jeff. David Warner, Steve Smith, they are 
on the back pages all over the country today. They played in Australia's practice warm-up game, I suppose you could call it, <laughs> against the West Indies on the, the nursery ground at Southampton. Yesterday, uh, Warner wasn't in the run. Smith was. He made an unbeaten 70-odd, chasing 230. I think Nathan Coulton Isle was the main bowler to speak of for Australia. Adam Zampa picked up a couple too. Um, but again, you, you know, you get a bit of a flavour, don't you, that they are going to be just such hot media property, probably until the time that they open their mouths and, and talk to the media and it might drop off a bit. But just those photos of the two of them in the middle of the ground wearing the Australian uniform was enough to get them on, like, yeah, literally the back page of the English newspapers today. And they were in the middle of the, um, I think, the evening standard. I picked up on the tube on the way over. There was right. quite a bit of time dedicated to them. Uh, I think the line that was it. David Warner was brutally bounced out by O'Shane <laughs> Thomas. Um, how many bounces are not brutal? You know, the, yeah. the, the very act of the thing is relatively... Um, emblematic of brutality but you know they were very keen on the fact that Warner hadn't made any runs in that particular innings um, and Smith had they sort of mentioned a little bit later but it's there's a little bit of savagery coming out already all of that you know they're, they're pumping up the sandpaper angle and all the rest of it and just making sure oh, in case you forgot hey. um, as, as you say hopefully it dies down a little bit as things go on just just because it'll be very tedious to keep going over it the story that accompanied the photos this morning in some of the red tops jeff was about actually david warner's security i didn't see this coming but uh, his manager James, Ers- James Erskine's given some comments to one of the newspapers over here I think it was the Mirror uh, who've uh, who've reported on them essentially that with his pregnant wife Candace and his two young children coming out to the country they want to have some safeguards around um, their security which doesn't seem unreasonable but it is a bit left field to think that, that, that coming to this country to them poses some sort of threat at this stage. It's an odd thing to make it into the papers you know you, you wonder where it came from that has somebody briefed that out or, or is it just the result of talk being a bit loose but it doesn't seem like the sort of thing you'd necessarily want to publicise you know Warner's come in for criticism in the past with some justification for being precious about his own position when he might have put himself in that position but it'd be a very tricky situation to be in traveling with a young family and wanting to make sure that they're okay so it it doesn't seem like realistic that you're going to have you know mobs of enraged cricket fans trying to throw milkshakes at people or whatever. Australia were en route to England last week passing through Gallipoli. We, we spoke about it in the lead up, Jeff. We haven't really had a chance to discuss what they did over there. So Pat Cummins... Casual was, wear, I'm going to note. Everybody was just in there, you know, in, in their yes. hoodies and shorts rather yes. than not a, nary a slouch hat to be seen. <laughs> no, not a baggy green or a slouch hat. A baggy green sandwich. <laughs> um, Pat Cummins was the man who was uh, answering the questions on behalf of the side. They handled it pretty well. The only media that came out of the trip was from their own social media accounts until the final day when Pat Cummins answered some questions from the from the team media officer, um, which, you know, you could, as you'd expect, they were answered quite eloquently. Dan Bredig wrote a brilliant piece on Crick Info, really just going into some depth about what actually happened in 1915 uh, and trying to articulate that message and explaining that, that he thought that this was handled in quite a dignified way compared to the way that often, in a fairly clumsy way, sport and war can be brought together not always meaning to be offensive or or ill-considered but there is a there is a bit of a a long history of this and Mm. Dan's critique was that they on this occasion did a pretty decent job yeah it's such a trap to fall into and it does happen all the time and it's it's a a dangerous line we tread with all of the the sort of Anzac Day rounds for football and all the rest of it in some ways it's hard to escape from it's 
things that that traditionally groups of young men go and do together and you know there's the the Orwell theory of war minus the shooting and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that idea of banding together and and making sacrifices. It's just that some of the sacrifices are trivial compared to um, those made in the others. So yeah, and you see it around Anzac Day historically, don't you? I mean, there's been some tone deaf moments during the Anzac Day football game, which on the whole is handled brilliantly by the competing AFL clubs, Collingwood and Essendon. You know, you're filling out the MCG, the the silence, the mo- the minute silence on that day is as good as anything in sport for mine uh, it's a yeah. it's a true commemoration beforehand but it hasn't stopped occasionally tv networks really taking it to a point which wasn't there a point where they had to sort of um, play a photo profiles and they'd they'd superimpose hats on them or something like yeah, that a few that, years ago i'm pretty sure familiar. one of the couple of the nrl clubs had sort of camouflage panels on their uniforms one year and then decided not to do that it was pretty uncomfortable when india were playing that odi in march wearing the the camouflage hats as a a gesture of support for their armed services but it just seems uncomfortable coming into the sporting arena like that there are there are things that do and don't go together um not to become one of those people who says stick to sport dickhead on the internet but If you're actually playing it, um, it's not to say you can't talk about it or have an opinion about it, but but those kind of gestures, you know, confusing um, the issue of, you know, I mean, nationalism is an endlessly thorny thicket and there is no way to get through it unscathed, basically. So from sailing off to Gallipoli, they have now made their way to Southampton, um, which is where they're playing. I just can't handle Southampton. It's my least favourite place in England. They are, I've had a lot of family live there over the years and it's, it's no good. Um, are you saying that the ground with a Hilton Hotel built into it um, with <laughs> where the end is named after Shane Warne yeah, and the, Ian the Botham cor- has a restaurant is not, yeah. <laughs> it's not where you want to be yeah, spending your time? the corporate boxes after Sean Udall. Uh, the, the, the hotel named after Shane Warne. Yeah, the restaurant beefies underneath. The lifts that don't work. I mean, it's just the, the whole package down there. We'll be down there too but I won't be going to the warm-up games. I'm, I'm going to go and watch the strokes on Saturday at a festival. But you will be, Jeff. You're, you're going to go down and um, and represent the both of us at their warm-up game against England, and they play another against Sri Lanka on yeah. Bank Holiday Monday. Yeah, so I'll be on the very early boat down there in a couple of days, and we'll be able to keep you all posted. This is the final word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Let's take a breather. Hi, I'm Matt Renshaw, and you're listening to the Final Word Podcast. Jeff, you've been digging through the email account over the last few days while you've been making word, your way I? to Australia to engage with our patron subscribers. It's just been remarkable to see <laughs> some of the correspondence and some of the thoughtfulness in our Nerd Pledge game, which is getting, without a doubt, better by the week. We've had a truckload of subscription amounts sent in, so we're not going to get through all of them today, which is a very, very good problem to have, which isn't a disincentive to get involved yourself, by the way. We'll get through them progressively through the course of the World Cup. But well, this is almost a sort of half episode that we didn't do. Yes. We, it was supposed to be on the Renshaw bit, and then we didn't. We decided to leave it for a while, and now it's 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 not going to count as a sort of independent episode in its own right because we'll do. We've got a World Cup preview to do in a few days' time, so we'll get through the rest of the nerd pledge there. If you're confused, Patreon is the means by which people can subscribe as, as paid subscribers to the podcast. And some people, instead of saying a, a flat amount of two dollars or five dollars or whatever it might be, they like to come in with something a bit more niche. So there's there's been plenty going on there. Um, 
wanted to get to some correspondence first uh, a couple of mm-hmm. corrections from last week uh, there was a 214 amount from Richard Casamento that I, I think we put down to Victor Trumper but he said um, the contactors said actually it was Greg Blewett <laughs> that, that pair often mentioned in the same breath not a 97 when he batted all day absolutely <laughs> thank you um, and Cam Allen put in a 210 which I think we thought was Dean Jones but he's uh, we insisted it was Dean Jones I think there was another 210 <laughs> as well um, so there were a couple of Dean Jones that was Jamo who put in a 210. But Cam Allen said he, he put in the 10 to highlight the absurdity of a 10 team World Cup. Oh. Um, so that's a, an issue after your own heart. Thank you. We've got Thank Af- you, Cam. We've We're got- going to keep shining a light on that throughout the course of the World Cup. We've got Afghanistan in there, but we had Scotland uh, versus Sri Lanka a couple of days ago being watched by nearly 2 million people on the stream online. So to say that there's not a thirst for the associate teams to be involved is incorrect. And the two full member nations who are missing out on this World Cup, not least. Ireland, who've been so successful uh, at this tournament the last three times they've played, and they knocked off Bangladesh, who are, of course, in the tournament last week in as part of their uh, bilateral series. So, yeah, spot on. And, and well, Zimbabwe, well who, you know, came so close in the qualification tournament and got squeezed out as well. Sikandar Raza was the player of the... <laughs> the tournament in that qualifier and was devastated to miss out and, and Scotland would have made it too but for a dodgy LBW that was sliding about three feet down leg side. I'm going to keep the pressure on this I'm going to write a new story in the next day or two uh, I spoke to the, I interviewed the former chief executive of the England Cricket Board, England Wales Cricket Board, Tim Lamb for another podcast last week and in that episode he, uh, he, he was telling me about what a bloody disgrace it is that the World Cup they spent so much time developing in the 90s when he was on the ICC's Global Development Committee. So much effort put into making this a sustainable comp and now he just looks back 20 years later after 1999 and with, with, with deep lament. So keep an eye out for that. It's quite strong words. I wanted to... Mention an email from David Chiampa, uh, or Chiampa, I'm not sure on the Italian pronunciation, I apologise, which, among other things, he says, Adam loved the Skiff and Rob Perella references <laughs> from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Always a Xerox man, hated Prudential, <laughs> oh, hashtag yeah, tell me Rob Mundell forever. <laughs> Xerox were the real... <laughs> Please continue, sorry. <laughs> I'm interested in your thoughts on this because... They were the Carlton and Collingwood. They were the two big dogs uh, in, in, in the water, in the Sydney Harbour. There's no doubt. Prudential and Xerox, they duked it out routinely. He rounds it off with Alabashay, the Fitzroy of Skiffs, everybody's second fave. So much so that when Alabashay relocated to VFL Park in the car park in about 1995 or thereabouts, I was pretty excited about that. I'm like, well, here we go. He's, I think he's spot on about the second team. Thing. To get to some of our nerd pledges, we have to give a special mention here to Alex Brown, who has come in with just the Godzilla of pledges. He's come in at the ridiculous number of $26. Wow. Um, which Probably not the Alex Brown. It's just become the, uh, the Director of Communications at Cricket Australia. In fact, definitely not. We've definitely been not to this that Alex other, Brown. Although, congratulations to Brownie for getting that gig. He's a fantastic appointment. A true cricket lover who, who will uh, who'll do a great job. So, I know he occasionally tunes into this show. So, g'day, Alex. But this also, a- hi to the other Alex. This Alex Brown is uh, a key who lives in England and he's come through with 26 and I immediately went ding 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 but uh, in any any ideas so what's the number again 26 so 26 even so it's not 2600 is that what you're, you're not trying to say it's 2600 like that's not what I'm looking for here in my head well I'm not trying to say anything I'm just uh, finding well, you were out steering if, me towards if, 26 uh, if if anything's popped up um just 26. 26. What does 26? What does 26 mean to me? Is it someone's number on their back in one day international cricket? Am I getting warm? No. No. Okay. 
Um, is it the amount of wickets taken by someone in a series? Nope. Is it a score that someone's made as a batsman or a batswoman? Not batswoman. What am I saying? A, ba- <laughs> a batsman. <laughs> Batswoman's not a word. I- I'm, I'm willing to come at batter now because people in the women's game who play the women's game prefer batter, so I'm happy to go with that. But when we've historically called women cricketers batsmen, it's because we're letting them own the tag in the way that you would call an actor an actor and you wouldn't use actress. Yep. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so it's not a cricketer having made 26 runs? Nope. Come on, hit me. What is it? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's not a cricketer making 26 runs. Not it's, Peter Hudson. It's 11 cricketers making 26 runs. Oh. It is the lowest inning score in Test cricket. Yes. And I knew this because I knew that Alex Brown was from New Zealand, and New Zealand uh, own this much coveted record in Test cricket. They were bowled out for 26 in their, their second innings by England in 1955. Bert Sutcliffe top scored with 11, <laughs> and the scores thereafter were 1 naught, 1 1 7 5 naught, naught, naught not out, and not. Of course, Australia came pretty close to aping that. In. They were, what, 9 for 16 or something? Something like, like 9 that. 9 for 21? In, it was in that ballpark. They were near, I think it might have been 9 for 21 in, in yeah. where were we? It was Cape Town Cape in Town. 2011. Nathan Lyon top scored That's from right. number 11, which That's he's right. done a couple of times, actually. It'll happen at some point. I think another time, New Zealand playing South Africa about six years ago around New Year's Day. Uh, another time they were, they were nine for 20-odd and there was talk that they might eclipse that, but but not yet. So 26. Alex Brown, that, that's an incredibly generous contribution. Hopefully we're making it worth your while and thanks for being part of it. And I will point out, if, if anybody does want to go high, you can also put a monthly cap on, on your spending. So, you know, don't sort of necessarily feel like we're going to rumple stilts can you and take your firstborn. Um, you, you, you're in control of what you do in terms of sending any money our way. And it's all going to a good to place. And it's all going to a good place, I should add. Like, it goes to things like, you know, servicing what we did last week with Matthew Renshaw. There are other big high-profile interviews we're going to do during the World Cup, which, you know, without putting to put too fine a point on it, with the privatised rail network here will cost us an absolute shitload of money to get out to. But we'll continue doing it, and that's only because of um, the patron subscriptions. Yeah, and that generosity from everyone, it's making a huge difference to letting us do what we want to do and commit the time to it. So thanks for that. Uh, one that's come in from Scott, no second name. Scott has uh, pledged $9.70. And my first, immediately hmm. I was like, Bradman's tally in a series, but that's 1974. So yeah. it's nearly that, but it's not quite that. Right. Well, that would have been Which that either means been that he's Bradman or he has got another idea at 979. What I can tell you is that nobody in international men's cricket has taken nine for 79 and nobody I could find in international women's cricket has taken nine for 79. So it's probably, it's probably to do with runs then. If it's not well, it could be first class figures, but it's unlikely that would but be Brattles enough to stand is the, out. Is the most for a series? Yeah, nine, nine for seventy nine, nine. It's more likely to be nine seven nine in something, mm. um, or or across a season. It could be a player in first class cricket. Mm-hmm. We often see players crack a thousand runs in first class cricket. Did Ed Cowan make about nine hundred and seventy nine runs in the Shield a couple of years ago? He did um, make nine hundred and something. I, know he's I, th- I thought plus. it was nine oh five. Four Ed, if you're out there like listening, that. it's it's within the realms of possibility that you are. Correct us if we're wrong, but I don't think he was. I think I'd remember if he was that close to the thousand because he was past nine hundred, but not so close that you thought he nearly cracked the ton. Right, the, right. The, the, the ton, ton, the ton, the ten ton, <laughs> the, the metric shit ton. Yeah, the, the cow and special ton, <laughs> as opposed to the the, the usual cow and ton, which is a, which is a, when you face a hundred balls in a in a test innings for thirty or so. The only other possibility that I did turn up um, was that it. It's 979 is also the hot streak that Aaron Finch had across T20s for Australia and um, oh, Sarri yes. when yes, he made it was. 979 runs in a certain block of time. But yeah, it, ran it wasn't through... a season, it was an arbitrary... No, but you know, no, I do remember that. That ran through um, 
And that ran through the start of the, the Australian summer. I saw him make that 172 at Harare last year. Then he went to Surrey. And he made, sure was in a Harare. He, he was that day. Um, he hit two balls over the pavilion in a row. It was glorious, glorious to watch. It was Actually, a game study. Michael Slater was playing over there, the Ferrari in Harare. <laughs> I'm sure we can make it happen. The run that continued through to the T20 Plus last year where he was playing for Surrey, he smacked a 90 and 30 balls one day, and I know that he ended up yeah with like nearly a 1,000 runs at about 100 um, through that stretch. So, well, yeah, it could be that. It's good enough to go with because we don't have any other number and we have quite a few to get through. We do. We don't know what. Well, Michael Carey's just come in with six, six flat, but I think that's just because he liked the number. Okay, so Michael Carey. Michael Carey, Who yeah. I... No, I think he's yeah, going to be yeah. a former colleague of mine. Yes, yes. He, he initially he, he initially came through with two ninety four, uh, which he said would be a number related to politics. And then um, after the election result, he said that's not funny anymore. I'm just going to go to six. I think I know this. I think I know this. I think this is going to be two ninety four. <laughs> this makes sense too. He's a Queenslander. This is going to be the amount of days that George Christensen spent outside of his electorate in the last four years. <laughs> that that was definitely a figure that, that was being pushed around on social media a few weeks ago during the campaign. Of course, Christensen not only retained his seat after any number of ridiculous stories that came out in the campaign, he had a, a 13% swing to him in Dawson. I was actually um, sharing a beer with the former member for Dawson at the party election party um, on, on Saturday morning, James Bidgood, who I remember walking into Parliament House on the first day of what would have been the 43rd Parliament on, in 2007 and he saluted to the cameras and said James Bidgood reporting for duty in a British accent he's from the UK originally so but yes George Christensen 294 Michael Carey Queenslander good enough for me that's probably what it was it stacks up Um, I realise I missed a couple of uh, ordinary like not ordinary but normal you know Two dollar pledges coming in from your uh, object of your admiration, Alex Bowden, um, oh, the uh, K- King's Alex Cricket Bowden. website. If you want to go and look the up the King King's of Cricket, Cricket, without doubt. And I've said this, and you know, sorry to Jared Kimber, sorry to Gideon Hay, sorry to Shield Berry, sorry to Chris Ryan. Alex Bowden is my favourite cricket writer. Sorry to Jeff Lennon. Sorry to me. Alex so Bowden, I'm right here. I've been a subscriber right to Alex's here. blog since 2009 or 10 or something like that, and he's. Fucking brilliant. So do subscribe. You get about five posts a week. And he did write up our Matthew Renshaw interview from last week in one of those posts as well. So thank you so much, Alex, for for listening, for enjoying what we do and for making a contribution. Also a regulation pledge from Jared Brown. I don't know Jared Brown, but I hope he's an AFL player because that is a great – that is – or the most common first name and <laughs> yeah. the most common last name for an AFL football player. How play. does he spell the Jarrett? at one stage in the AFL, we had six spellings of I, that name, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think there may still be six, but there are fewer overall Jarrods. So, <laughs> so I did a lot of um, sub-editing for a sports <laughs> website called The Raw in a period from about 2010 to 2013, and that was peak Jared time. I think at one point we had 37 Jarrods <laughs> in the AFL across six different spellings. There was the double R-Y-D variant. There was the oh, OD, yeah. the AD, the single R, the double R on, on all of those. Um, and it, you had to know. You had to know what's Jared Ruffhead. You had, and I still, do, I still know all these things. They still, <laughs> they, they just cling on vestigially. I cannot remember to take a green bag to the shops, but I know which Jared is which. I, if I met Jared Pollock and he said, "Pop my name down on the list," I could do that for you. Um, so thank you, Jared Brown, and I hope you get a kick this week. Um, let's plough through because we're taking we're a long way behind time. time. Yes, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> all right. Matt McGann, four sixty nine. Matt McGann, well, another. Another link to us. He uh, he was um, a former teammate of mine, Nathan Lyons, actually at Wests um, in the ACT, and he was a net bowler 
at Christchurch a couple of years ago, Nathan got him to put the spikes on and have a bowl at the Australian side before that test match. And, he, and I remember him giving James Pattinson an absolute terrible time in the nets. <laughs> got him out about four times. So thanks to Ganny. What's his number? 469. And this is a Nathan Lyons high. It's got to be a Nathan Lyons Yeah, number. four for 69 in Nathan's first first innings bowling in Australia against New Zealand in 2011. Without a doubt, that is going to be a Lyon reference given the link between the, the two. They're close friends at the Gabba. And that's where uh, Warner made his debut. Yep, that's that's Warner's debut. Nearly Lyon's took a wicket first, first ball, David Warner. That I don't remember, but I do remember staying up till like four in the morning to watch Nathan bowl because that was at the point when I was still trying to watch everything that he did in international cricket. And uh, and uh, I know he took four for, and I think he took seven for the match and it still is possibly the, the best figures for a spinner in, on, you know, or something like that. There's some category of of what he did in that first in that first game there, so without a doubt that'll be four for sixty nine. If, if I remember rightly, I think that's Mitchell Stark's debut. Uh, yeah, James Pattinson's debut. James Pattinson. No, I think I think you'll. I think Stark might have been the week after, but certainly Pattinson's debut. Sorry, and Pat, yeah, debut. it was Pattinson and Warner. There were only superbly. two. Yeah, yeah, Stark was around that time. Yeah, maybe the next week at Perth. But if, if without having checked this, I'm pretty sure David Warner smacked a boundary and then nicked off four in the first innings. I think he was 12 not out with three boundaries in the second innings as they were chasing about 15. And his first delivery in Test cricket, he was bowling leg breaks and he bowled a drag down that got slogged to deep mid-wicket and dropped. So he would have had a... And that was before he'd even had a bat, I think. So he, he would have had a wicket before he'd even... <laughs> the rock and rolling laugh oh. of David Warner was a sign of things to come. What Who's a next? Your life? Jim Steridis, who has come in with 442. Thank you, Jim. 442. Uh, 442 feels like someone I should check on the Australian Test player list because we've had oh, it's in that hot spot, isn't it? Test cricketers, and I've got that up because I knew we were coming to Nerd Pledge. Do, do you want to know a great thing that we've only I've only connected these dots through Nerd Pledge? Every time someone's done 434, I've thought. Oh, it's South Africa. Uh, it's just what Australia made against South Africa in the one day. It's also Glenn Maxwell's test Yeah, cap. I'm embarrassed not to have known that. I saw that come through on one of the one of the social media platforms. Uh, it, it's it's definitely Adam Voges 442, which um, was the first test he was playing and the first test I was covering and co- and commentating. I was lucky enough to be on air when he when he brought up 100 on Dubu, the 20th Australian man to do so. So whether or not it is 442, I'm definitely me, backing it in. Are you telling me it's not Shane Watson's 4 for 42 in Nagpur in 2008? <laughs> because I would be disappointed. Was Nagpur where you? Made the hundred? No, that was Mahali, wasn't Mahali it? Mahali made the hundred. Yeah, he made the hundred. Clark and he ripped into him for three years later. Clark got stuck, stuck into him for batting too slowly after having made a hundred in India. The mayor of Mahali, Shane Watson. <laughs> Uh, so thank you, Jim. Matt, thanks, Jim. Matt Edstein, thanks to you. 429, Matt Edstein has come in with. Okay, so 429 is uh, Victorian uh, Bill Ponsford, one of Bill Ponsford's two quadruple hundreds in Shield mm-hmm. cricket. So that's. It, I mean, it's, it I, could I'll tell easily you what, be 429 that. 429 is a tasty buffet, I reckon, because okay. you've just added Ponsford to the table, and I found a couple of tasty morsels already. Oh, please go. Um, Four for 29 is what Glenn McGrath took in the second innings at Lords in 05 to seal the rout after oh, yes. he destroyed England in the first innings yes. and then with five in the first and polished them off in the second. Four for 29 is also what Muhammad Abbas took in the second innings last year in Dubai when he couldn't quite get them over the line against the Kawaja resistance. It was about four for 29 from 29 overs as well, I reckon. It was, yeah. He's going one and over. Ponsford, you've thrown in there, 429. Gorgeous. Great Victorian. Anything else? Going back to the list from before then, if that's the case. Uh... Oh, okay. Yes, it's a very Victorian number. It's uh, we we talk about the Quiny Nine quite a lot in the final word. How about the Quiny Four Hundred and Twenty Nine, Matthew? It's either Ponsford or Quiny. If it's our show, we're going with Quiny. Surely. Yep, that's Bob Quiney's Test cap number. I'll have you know, absolutely uh, Four Hundred and Twenty Nine. So. 
getting in just before the Maxwell era began. Sean O'Sullivan, you'll notice that I'm going in descending order because that's how the Excel spreadsheet has spat things out <laughs> this time. So we will get to those a bit further down the list in a few days, as we said. Sean O'Sullivan, 376. Easy one there. Malcolm Marshall's test tally. If wickets, thanks to Sean, who, of course, was at our live show back in... When was it? January, January or February? January. Whenever it was, Sean was. was there, and he's been a great supporter of the show on social media and now a great supporter of ours on Patreon. Thank you so much, mate. Zach Bauer has come through with, I know, this one, 345. This is very relevant to last week because that's what Matthew Renshaw uh, scunted around in that grade game last last summer. Yeah, it was when, last summer. When he went back to Toomball and made a triple hundred, which I think we mentioned briefly on the pod. So 345, okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Synergy. Who, who who made this donation? Zach Bauer. Zach Bauer must be a Queenslander. Matt Renshaw's 345. Yep. Four Bull. Yep. Trevor Hones, chairman of selectors, with the grounds named after him, the Trevor Hones Field, I think it is, also from Toomball, <laughs> test playing cap 345. That's oh, meant to be. Oh, so cap 345 won't pick uh, grade score 345 for the test team. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love that. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's that's a ripper. All right. Let's just do one more to wrap up. This is from Abhi Ramanathan. Thank you for coming through with this donation. It's 137. Uh, and Abhi dropped us a note on the Patreon page and said, uh, originally from India but lived in Australia for 10 years. So I don't know where his cricketing loyalties lie. Um, okay. is, this a, is this an India reference or an Australia reference? Mike Hussey's first 100 for Australia was 137, which I remember sort you know of. I'll tell you what, if, if, <laughs> if Abhi said he lived in Australia for 10 years, that would take you back to about 2005. Yeah, yeah. I that reckon, was the game I, I went to it. where uh, I called my dad. So Australia, Uruguay, Olympic Stadium, World Cup qualifier, Aloisi. Right. We know how that story goes if you're an Australian. Listen, if you're not, that was the night that Australia made it through to the World Cup for the first time in yeah, since 1974, it was a remarkable night in Australian sport. And feeling that patriotic fervour, called my father after a skinful and said, Dad, Brad Hodges to booing for Australia tomorrow. I've got to go. Can you book me a flight to, to Hobart in the morning? So he dutifully did. So I flew from Sydney to Hobart off zero sleep, um, sleeping on the plane. And I arrived at, at Bell Reve Oval, um, very much worse for wear, still wearing the kit, that I, the, the homemade Mark Viduka top that I made the night before. Um, and, and that was what I wore to watch Brad Hodge to boo. But he didn't bat that day. It was an Australian bowling day. And it rained on day two, the second day I booked to be down there. And that's when Hussey made it to three figures. For the first time, I actually asked him about that when I interviewed him last year, and he says he, he regrets how much he carried on when getting to 100 in that innings. He really went the big ones um, he, he, for, for the first one, but he had every right to. It had been a, a long time, and I guess not in the wilderness, but a long time waiting. He never thought he'd play Test cricket, and there he was in his second Test match, bringing up three figures, the first of 19 times that he did so for Australia in Test cricket. So you're saying that. That was your Sydney to Hobart yacht race. Yeah, it was your Sydney right. to Hobart schooner race. More yeah, like. it, it, I was probably nineteen or twenty. Had really curly hair all the way down my back, and or well, maybe I was even twenty-one. I'm selling myself short there. It was it was still the time when I was. I would say I was far too involved in the Victorian Sheffield Shield team. I sometimes cop some grief on social media about being too into Victoria, and I don't think that's really the case anymore, but there was a time, and <laughs> Brad Hodges' treatment by the selectors inspired that kind of lunacy at short notice. Was Trevor Hones chairman of selectors at that point? I sure think he was. was. <laughs> <laughs> 
345. Brings it all back. Brings it all back. <laughs> Let's wrap up the pledge for this week because we have been at it for quite a while. Uh, apologies if you tuned in to hear about um, current cricket, but we're all on historical cricket at the moment. To everyone else who signed up, we will come to you in a few days. Thank you for your patience. If you want to get involved with the Patreon page, it's a way that you can help us keep the podcast going. Go to patreon.com, spelt P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and then go forward slash the final word, and you'll find us, and you can sign up for a, to chuck us a, a couple of bucks an episode or put a monthly cap on or whatever you want to do, um, and that, that won't be affected by the daily pod as we're going forward through the World Cup. It's only for the longer weekly podcast that that, that charge comes into effect. Yeah, speaking of the weekly pod, which will continue through the course of the World Cup and the Ashes and so on, um, We've kindly had A.V. Jennings get in touch uh, since our last podcast and they want to be part of what we're doing uh, through that period of time. So we'll tell you a lot more about what they do in coming weeks. But thanks to A.V. Jennings for signing up to work with us through the course of the England summer. Um, Of course, there's still room to collaborate with The Final Word in in various forms through uh, the next four months. If you want to do so, uh, jump on finalwordcricket at gmail.com. Reach out to Jeff or myself on Twitter. We've got quite a lot of real estate it's fair to say Jeff at the moment and we're going to be producing tons of content not only with the podcast but video as well so reach out drop us a line and um, we'd be ever so grateful to hear it and, and of course as always thank you to our, our long-standing partner Kookaburra Cricket they've been very loyal to us over many years and of course if it ain't cooker it ain't cricket uh, G'day this is Will Anderson and you're listening to The Final Word with Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins as the sun slowly starts to dip behind the clouds here in North London. Before we break for today, we'll whiz through a few topics because I'm mindful that we spent about 45 minutes talking about Patreon just then. Um, <laughs> Joffre Archer is in the England World Cup squad, the, the worst kept secret, not that it was a secret, um, of all time. Very sad for David Willey, although handled beautifully um, by the by the, the left arm quick. He jumped on social media, put up a video of his young boy dancing and said, you know what, I'm still winning at life. Indeed he is classily handled um, beautiful work by him I'm sure that with injuries being as they are it's still a decent chance that he'll be called upon at some stage through the World Cup campaign but it's also thrilling that we're going to see Joffre Archer on, on the global stage we've seen enough to know Jeff already that it's going to be a joy Oh, the work that he's done, even if you just watch the Big Bash, his Hobart Hurricanes stuff over the last few years, but um, he's growing into the role and, and didn't look at all out of place in his first few hitouts in the England kit, and he looks pretty good in the new one as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I spoke to a couple of his coaches uh, during the week for a piece I wrote for The Guardian, and one of those from Barbados was telling me a story that when he first came across Jofra, I think we're, it's Jofra is the pronunciation that we're going with, actually. Jofra, I think it's hard to go away from Jofra when you've said it as often as we have, but Jofra, as a, as a young lad, he was a leg-spinning wicketkeeper. <laughs> and, then, and then he had a growth spurt, then he became a fast bowler, then he had his stress fractures, and we know what happens after that. But um, it shows that he had a, a love of the game from a very young age. And also, when he came to play club cricket in Sussex, John Lewis was telling me this, um, they sent him home with a remodelled action and he set up a cricket net on his own and rolled the net and put up across the road from his house in a paddock or in a field rather and just bowled to himself to bed down this new action in order to make sure that it would be more sustainable going forward and gee we're seeing the dividends of that now he has the most glorious action possibly already in world cricket the way that he's able to bowl, bowl so quickly and so effortlessly mm. um, seemingly uh, with that run up that's uh, that yeah it's a, really a sight to behold he always reminds me of that line I can't remember if it was 
That's liquid football. He's, he's, he's liquid cricket. He's just... It's Alan Partridge, actually, but I like the fact that it's, it's, in your own mind, it could have been Martin Tyler. I saw Martin Tyler the other week, just to just to continue segueing as we had for the, for, for the last hour. He's the assistant coach for Woking in the non-league division that Dulwich Hamlet play in. Uh, of course, we've had Dulwich references on the show before because Nairn Clunas is a donor to this show through Patreon, but there he was on the sidelines, Martin Tyler, with the, the big interchange board or the big substitution board calling on and off the subs and, and doing his bit there at Champion Hill, so I'm glad that he gets a mention on <laughs> the pod. Champion Hill. Imagine Champion that. Hill. What a, what a hill to die on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you head up to Champion Hill? <laughs> It looks like Tuscany, but that's a whole different story. The 100, Jeff, since we last had a chat, they um, had another botched um, launch of that. I don't really know where to start, really. You know they're trying their bloody hardest. At the, I mean, you like it or loathe it, they really, really want this to work and be a sustainable shot window for England cricket going forward. But, gee, whoever it was they hired... They're trying their hardest at a week. really bad idea. And, yeah, yeah. And I don't... So I'm not sure if you can say you're trying your hardest. If, so this is a, a PR company who was hired to put about a bit of buzz about the 100 and, and they were like, all right, we need um, a picture of a crowd. And so they literally <laughs> typed crowd, I think, into Google Images and took the first shot that came up. Well, whether, whether or not they did or didn't, it was the lack of self-awareness that if you put in, and Dave, Dave Tickner um, threaded this gloriously on, on Twitter at the time, male crowd, this was the image no, well, This, this was what up. Raph Nicholson had, had, um, had done. Oh, sorry, out, that was Raph Nicholson, was it? They yeah. found that, yeah. So, so if, the two of them on Twitter were, 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 if were trading put, blows if on this. If male audience into Google Images, that was the first <laughs> image that came up. And so Tickner has then reverse image searched oh, this see, and found right. every other place that they've used this image because the crowd is of entirely blokes at um, at a rap show in Miami, right? In fact, but it's used for like anything where people want to have a dynamic looking sort of audience shot. Um, so it's on all of these sort of corporate retreat type websites, and you know, um, what's the word? Consultancy seminars and all this kind of <laughs> bullshit. Trying to engage, in, it's very wanting to engage a new audience type right. of shot as well with the, the, the young. They I look mean, enthusiastic. Yeah, young. They're young, watching something. Well, they're, you're, you're that young, they like or young blokes at a concert really that was the the misstep there they they realized the error of their ways and turned it into a a young girl watching sport but they cropped it stolen from a football match yeah they had they they cropped the shirt to make it red to pink and it was clearly here at the football with um you know it it was clearly not a a cricket image you could tell from the the full image that again was found in three point two seconds young girl watching sport yeah they Um, finally got it right but i mean unfortunately for for those at ECB Towers, it really did sully what was otherwise um, a really important day for them in trying to put some meat on the bones of the 100. So we'll continue to watch that with um, not enjoyment. I don't want to make it sound like, I mean, this is this going poorly is not a good thing for cricket in this country. Yeah, but we, this going is not a good thing for cricket oh, in this I agree. country. The it's whole, just, yeah, but it's I think just so unnecessary. At some, point so we're irrelevant. Gonna to, at some point, we're going to have to turn the corner and, 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 and debate our energy and, and hoping that it succeeds. Or, or yeah. not, there's another school of thought that some people argue that it, it the failing quickly might be advantageous. So we'll yep. see next year. Well, it's going to be a very expensive failure, even if it's quick. But I, I just cannot see how you couldn't get a T20 done in three hours if you put the pressure on the players to get the overs bowled. Especially you, with the women. So if two and a half hours was the benchmark they want these games to fit into to be right, you know, fit for purpose for terrestrial television on BBC over here, most women's T20s that I've been to do finish inside 
two and a half hours, which opens up a whole other um, a whole other conversation that we are going to have on the show about domestic England women's cricket. Uh, I was I was having a few conversations this week with the ECB, um, which we're not quite at the point where we can you know talk about it in depth, but we will because that's a really interesting restructure that they're working towards at the moment. A lot of stories in the press about what that restructure might look like with the counties. It's been a long time coming, so we'll be keeping an eye on that and and looking forward to talking more a bit later in the summer. Um, talking about things that aren't going so well uh, in reference to the 100, um, the Vrat Coley, Richard Punt, um, <laughs> Pimples advertisement. This show cannot conclude without a reference to it. Uh, the floor is yours, Jeff. Try and, try and explain what on earth is going on here. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful in a way. Um, as I said, this may be their powder blue shirt moment. They're, they're not afraid to be vulnerable. They're not afraid to admit that they, they have skin problems too. Um, it's, 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 it's not just those of us watching on. They, they weren't always flawless. But... Uh, should we just play a bit of it? Yeah, I reckon. I don't think they'll mind, will they? Okay, here's Rat Collie and Richard Part trying to flog Clarissa or something. Walking like a dude, feeling all cool. You've got the look, you're gonna rule. Hey man, you're all set for tonight. Bring the down red, cause we're out, says so. But before you step out, dear bro, that pimple's gotta go, gotta go, gotta bro, go. Bro, style dignity, like pimple, nee? Bro, that pimple's got to go. <laughs> As a guy who hasn't always had the greatest skin of all time, I might go and fetch. Um, speaking of unappetising things, as we continue with, with our clunky segues in this miscellaneous section, is pop puree. Um, slightly more serious, Edge. Uh, we have been ardent critics, Jeff, of Cricket Australia's relationship with gambling, a gambling website through the domestic summer last year. That They bombarded the stadiums with... Uh, with with advertising and it was unseemly on the, on the website especially as well considering that the Cricket Australia website will be the gateway to the game for a lot of young people. Now the ICC, um, I've had some correspondence with some of the staff members there about this uh, over the last few months and you know they were fairly disgusted by some of the stuff on the CA website. Needless to say, that's not something that the ICC will get into. So thankfully we won't have that kind of sponsorship or commercial relationship with the World Cup, which is a really positive thing. So, is that a policy level thing from them? Yeah, well, I don't know whether it's uh, whether it's just a, just a, an enduring thing with their existing commercial partners or otherwise. But it's a good thing that they haven't, I guess, taken the bait because it is the the lowest rent advertising there is, and it is easy to make a truckload of money off betting shops. But there will be advertising budgets, Jeff. I'm sure, won't there? I mean, mm. if if you are trying to recruit a young audience, uh, especially through a major sporting event which has hundreds of millions of eyeballs on it, the the peripheral um, assets, if you like, for, av- for advertising around betting shops will be prevalent and and we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Yeah, they've got to get into the game somehow and if they can't do it through the ICC, they'll certainly be looking for other outlets. It, it's an interesting tension in, you know, where the World Cup is so much built around India and an Indian audience and, of course, gambling is still theoretically illegal in yes. India and everything's happening black market. Um, so those sort of operators who are advertising obviously can't offer their services into India so they'll be looking at the other markets I suppose and, and trying to get into these, into those. So we'll be keeping an eye on that as we go through the tournament which of course starts 
a week Soon. from now. It's, it's, um, we will be watching the conclusion of England versus South Africa at the Oval in the World Cup opener, and that's a that's a, a thrilling and daunting thing all at the same time. I'm I'm excited and afraid. I, I populated a spreadsheet with all of the work I have to do with the I don't know 43 different outlets <laughs> that I'm working for in some capacity, and it looks like Rishabh Pant's complexion before he used that wash. It's just blotches and splotches and terrifying colours and a key that I can't even keep track of. It's not quite as cute as um, Ben Jones' little hand-drawn calendar of you know where he's working and what happens where and who's yeah. playing who and what ground they're at. Ben Jones from Crickviz, who's been on the show before, have a look at his Twitter too. If you liked Ben on the show, and he was, you know, he was a lovely guest of ours talking about the data revolution in cricket, but he has little boy handwriting and that's <laughs> reflected in the, he's uh, only 24 yeah that, that's true um if you do want to stay in touch with jeff and my work well you know what i'm not even going to list the organizations we're going to be bloody everywhere over the next six to seven weeks through the world cup and, and it all begins what well, we're going to enjoy a couple of quieter days jeff I'm, I'm going to take you to the pub let's do that now i think it's it's come the time has come for us to to close this episode of the final word it's been great having you sitting across the table from me rather than down the, the phone line so Hopefully this has been a, bit, a little bit better coordinated than it has been in the last four or five weeks where you've been back in Australia. And, and again, thanks to well all the people that make this possible. Kookaburra Cricket, who have been our long-term sponsor. AV Jennings for getting on board. Uh, the people that have jumped on Patreon as they can continue to do so. Those who have reviewed on iTunes and rated on iTunes, which makes a big difference. It's just great to know we have so much support out there at the moment because it's such a lot of fun bringing this to you. Every time I look at the Patreon page, it gives me warm feelings in my heart that that people are having fun and they're listening to things about a sport they like and they're enjoying it and it's just fucking wholesome. <laughs> it is just nice. So if you want to get involved, patreon.com slash the final word. Check out what we put up there. The ode to Sean Marsh is up. I oh, should, yes, I've, we buried the lead on that. And I've, Jeff, you, and, and I would say your, your, your tweaks to it, if you're at the live show or you heard it on the live show, it's better than it was before. Jeff's done a great job in re-recording that with, uh, with, uh, in a more formal setting, I suppose, with the recorder out. So if, you, if you're already a patron subscriber, jump on there. If you're not, that should be a cup. A couple of bucks will, will get you on the on the page and, and worth a listen there. This has been the final word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Thank you so much for your company. The World Cup awaits. We can't wait. We'll speak to you soon. That'd be the same. We've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty. Wrote this so you know what I meant. I had to go about it, write it out.